When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Double Twist, and others to name a few. Back on board once again today. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. It's my now yearly tradition, starting off my weekly grind of Brave the Wild on every Thanksgiving. As now we'll be doing shows on Thursdays for the foreseeable future up until April or so, depending on the, the scheduling with the <laughs> spring cleanups and all that, depending on how things go and the postseason and all that. Yeah, because we just know we're going to make it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Since the last episode, the Minnesota Wild have played significantly better. We're closer to 500, but still residing in last place. Not nearly as bad as before. Only 12 points behind the St. Louis Blues and and a game in hand. So don't forget about that part. Minnesota Wild at this stage, 10 and 11. So, getting a little closer. But it depends on your point of view. Does it all matter? Does it all matter? Does it matter if this team even makes the playoffs? Sure, it's fun and everything, but do you just lose in the first round to St. Louis or Colorado or Edmonton Oilers or whoever? What fun is that, getting swept or beaten five games? And it's not trying to be a ne- uh, it's not trying to come in with a negative point of view. It's just an honest point of view. I mean, do you see this team making a St. Louis Blues type of run? Do the Minnesota Wild have a Ryan O'Reilly? Do we? Do we have a Do we have a Jordan Bennington? I don't think we do, and you need guys like that to get that far. The St. Louis Blues were supposed to do well. That's why Mike Yeo was fired when that team was playing so poorly, because it was like, why are they so bad? It didn't make any sense. And, well, then they got a guy that was able to push the right buttons in Barubi, and bada-bing, bada-boom, things just changed like a miracle. It was literally a miracle. And how often do miracle seasons happen? Well, that was the Blues' first miracle season. And, well, you know, they've been around since 67, just like the Minnesota North Stars. It was the same, uh, you know, it was the same expansion class. I call it the uh, the second six. So there was the original six. We know those heritage teams. And then you have the second six. Minnesota, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Philadelphia, uh, California Golden Seals, and Los Angeles Kings to name them. So that's just kind of how that goes. Uh, Minnesota Wild still struggling against the Los Angeles Kings, even though they've been pretty awful. 
That's basically where we left off, a 3-1 loss to the Kings. So we're just going to kind of look at eight games. We're not going to review them in detail. Just kind of look at them and see how well the Wild were playing. Get caught up, per se. Last couple games, it's against New Jersey, New York. Uh, those, those were okay, you know. He got three out of four points. That's cool. The Boston game, why? I don't know. But then beating Colorado in the XL Energy Center, that was cool. Winning in Buffalo, a team that's been struggling and up and down every bleeping year. They start out hot and ready to roll. Buffalo's ready to make their run, and they just, you know, they drop off right away. Like this year, they dropped off much faster. Last year, I still have the memory embedded in my soul. Minnesota Wild <laughs> playing Buffalo. They were playing well. Two-goal lead, like always. And Wild end up losing the game on a miracle shot by uh, freaking Jason Pominville. Like a miracle angle. Like it was, there's just no way you're going to score on an angle like that. And he did. And it was just the craziest thing ever. I remember it so well because I was freezing to death outside doing a lawn cleanup when it was just, I mean, it beyond cold. And then I came home and watched the, the replay. Watched the entire game. And that was a fun game to watch, especially watching replays of that highlight time and time and time and time again. And of course, I listened to the game live the entire time as well. And uh, that angle of that goal just made me want to <laughs> cry at the end of the day. But back to present days here. Uh, where do I stand on this team? Do I see them as a playoff team? I don't know. Uh, certain guys are playing much better now, which is pretty cool. It's nice to see a lot of the younger guys playing better. One of the guys who is semi-young, and obviously the future is still very bright for him. And, well, you know, I mean, we're going to be counting on him for a long time. I don't think he's on the trade block. That's Matt Dumba. Not playing so great. Not putting up the numbers. He's making some some of the typical mistakes. His shot is off. Uh, it's been missing the net. Obviously, he's getting blocked as well. People uh, are blocking the dumb bomb, or he's just flat out missing. Looking like Fulton Reed out there. Looking like Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks uh, movies and such. One out of five. You know, maybe he's not that inaccurate, but still. <laughs> still, I mean, I don't know. We'd like to see a little more accuracy out of him and such. So let's try to semi-get caught up here again. It's nice to see Fiala and all the others playing a bit better. Horrible loss to the LA Kings in Staples Center, the arena that can hold three teams, believe it or not. Like Minnesota, we can't hold two teams in one for some reason. Yet Los Angeles, and I know they have better funds for their arena and everything, but they also have a lot more money to build other arenas and stadiums and stuff. But maybe they just don't have the space in a city like that. That might have another thing to do with it. I don't know, it's weird here. Uh, Devin Dubnik's been out with personal reasons for a while, and he's personally not been very good either. Just to sound kind of dorky there, I apologize. The LA Kings made the Wild look awfully dorky. Uh, Matt Dumba did get his third goal of the season, putting the shot on net, and it just went in. That was nice. Nobody tipped it or anything. Again, how you're just putting the puck on net. That's how defensemen are. They're, they're slap shot, they're powerful. So that one went unassisted in the game, but... At the end of the day, this was an utter disappointment. At this stage, Parisi had been struggling mightily. He was way down there, and he's been playing so much better. It's been awesome. You're seeing the same Zach Parisi again. He's in double-digit territory already with goals, so pretty impressive renaissance again for the man Zach Parisi. Seems like a lot of the older guys, that's just how it goes. Jonathan Quick looked like Jonathan Quick, and since then he's been back to the crappy Jonathan Quick that he's been the last year and a half. Uh, oft injured and all that. You know, he's in, he's one of those guys who got beat up, kind of like Nicholas Backstrom, who was just, uh, he was a lights-out stonewall goaltender for so long, and then the injuries over his, the course of his career just caught up, and then the quickness, the quickness, to <laughs> to avoid the pun, because I'm getting a little silly here, uh, wasn't just wasn't there anymore. The quickness just wasn't there anymore for Nicholas Backstrom, and plus he was one of the worst shootout goalies I've ever seen, and Dubnik's not pretty, very good at those either, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, but Jonathan Quick, yeah, definitely had dropped off 
the last year and a half. He thought, Jonathan Quick's in that. It's going to be 4-3 Minnesota. 5-3 Minnesota will be fine. Maybe Dubnik will, will keep it down to two. And no, the Wild don't score for crap on Jonathan Quick. And the LA Kings wind up at three. And that's just all she wrote. I don't know. Again, that's a few weeks ago. So we'll keep moving. That was on the 12th of November. Happy Veterans Day again to those of you. I believe I mentioned that on the last show. After a very impressive victory over the Arizona Coyotes. That was fun. Yeah, I recorded on that Tuesday night. That was the last episode, November the 12th. Arizona Coyotes again come to Excel Energy Center this time. The Wild actually win in Arizona. That was on the last episode. And Zach Parisi winds up getting a couple points. The Wild actually beat Arizona, yet the highlight photo of the game shows the Arizona Coyotes celebrating. Okay, that that makes sense. The Wild win, but the Coyotes are the ones on the... Yeah, that, that's that's... Adorable. Uh, Minnesota, though, again, climbing closer and closer to 500 at this stage. We're just piling up the overtime losses, but not the regular losses. The Wild, actually, it's just overtime losses. So we're picking up points during the course of these home games and road games. Mostly road, because that's all we get, pretty much. Kevin Fiala added his fourth goal of the season. That was awesome. Uh, that line of Koivu Fiala Parisi has been playing freaking awesome. I wouldn't break that up for anything. And the third line, the checking line, as we like to call it, Yule Eriksson or is it Jewel Erickson Eck? Pardon me. A lot of people still call him Joel. Oh, Joel. Yeah, Jewel Erickson Eck, Jordan Greenway, and of course Luke Cunning. That's been a wonderful group. You don't want to break them up either. They've been all been playing well together. Good chemistry. The Koivu Zucker Zuccarillo line. I guess you could call it the. Excuse me. I just called it Koivu. <laughs> Uh, Eric Stahl, pardon me. Eric Stahl is the center of the, that top line, so to speak. The so-called, quote-unquote, air quotes, top line. I think it might be the Cuevo Parisi and Fiala lately, but I don't know. The de facto top line. There, They have their big moments, and then they have their not-so-great moments. They're kind of hot and cold. Their defense is weird. Eric Stahl is inconsistent. When he's good, he's so freaking good. And when he's not good, he's slow. He's like a statue. He never... His, his his back check is like non-existent sometimes and it makes you feel like you're just ugh, like when can we trade him to the Boston Bruins and yeah I hate bringing up that team right now with what happened a couple days ago but it is what it is uh, Parisi though again continuing to step it up during the course of time Greenway finally got his first goal of the season which is crazy despite his good play finally pays off he'd been so close to scoring and, of course, his physicality, he's in the right place, right time, and he finally gets rewarded with one. That ended up being the game-winning goal against the Arizona Coyotes, finally putting one in, and Jonas Brodeen with a rare point on the assist. And, of course, Jules Eriksson Ekin will pick up, Jules Eriksson Ekin would pick up anything he can get throughout the course of time there. Again, that third line working together there with Jonas Brodeen and Spurgeon, no, uh, Dumba pairing down the stretch there. Minnesota end up surviving one. Uh, things got kind of crazy in the, in the Minnesota Wild victory over Arizona. I didn't even talk about it on the last episode because it had happened then. Uh, Darcy Kemper starting to kind of chirp and stuff. Things kind of getting in his head and the Minnesota Wild took advantage. And really since then, the Wild have been a different club. And Arizona's not doing quite as good, even though Darcy Kemper's been absolutely awesome throughout the entire season. We'll be talking about the Arizona Coyotes again coming up in the game, uh, game previews. Three games to preview coming up not so long from now. Minnesota hosts the almost Eastern Conference champion, Carolina Hurricanes. They're still hanging into the playoff picture, and good for them. They've been wonderful. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's been leading that club in a nice way. He's been a a strong, strong player for them. Of course, traded from the uh, Calgary Flames for Lindholm. Medias Lindholm there to the Flames, who had a ton of success last year. This year, not so much. 
though they're still in the playoff picture. Uh, James Reimer stopped 32 out of 35 shots. He's, he's a decent goaltender. I think their goaltending situation in Carolina is adequate, but not great. Reimer is like middle of the road. You know, he's not anybody you get too excited about. All the young up-and-coming stars, and you got Eric, uh, Eric Hall, pardon me, who had that uh, awful knee injury last year. He doesn't look like the same player, and that's too bad. Nino Niederreiter winds up, winds up getting his first point against the Wild NXL Energy Center as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes, which, yeah, it's gonna be he's going to be there a while and have a lot of success, I'm sure. Minnesota does not end up winning this game, unfortunately, and gets no points at the end of the day. This one was a bummer. Actually, we did. Yeah, this was the overtime game. Minnesota, again, another crappy three-on-three situation. That's pretty much the case here throughout the course of this uh, this episode, the last the last two weeks here. And, yes, of course, it was an overtime game. Three-on-three, uh, three, yeah, who could forget, obviously, what took place. Uh, it's just, you just, I don't know. I mean, you keep seeing slow guys out there. You keep seeing the Koivus, the suitors out there. In the overtime period, it's... Wide open hockey, three on three, and you have your slowest guys out there. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, maybe you want Stahl out there for a bit here and there because he can make plays and he's capable of scoring. But, yikes. I mean, it's just an absolute nightmare. And it just keeps happening. And Dumba's, he's got the energy, and of course you want him out there. you got to think sooner or later he's going to break through and be the Matt Dumba we saw in the first half of last year before that torso injury, the pectoral injury. Um, but it just wasn't meant to be once again. Carson Soucy did score his first career NHL goal. Zach Parisi got a shorthander. That was cool. A couple of guys just just dying for points. I mean, please, please give me points. <laughs> Victor Rask and Carson Soucy hooking up there. Carson Soucy, his first NHL goal. Nice quick release and a quick, nice little quick slide there. Sliding the puck over to Carson Soucy from Victor Rask. Well-timed. Well-timed, well-placed. I, I like it. It's a good play. Hopefully you can get a little more of that out of Victor Rask. And he's at least an okay fourth-line center a, for $4 million a year, which is a bit expensive for a fourth-line center. But, but hey, it's a, it's a, it's a great trade. <laughs> it was a great trade. Well, Victor Rask did get a point, just like Nino Niederreiter. So <laughs> Victor won, Nino won, I guess. <laughs> they each got a point in the game. That's great. Uh, the trade's equal. It's equal. It's an equal trade. Yeah, sure it is. Uh, but no, Carson Soucy, nice quick release on the shot there and was able to put it in off of that uh, delivery from Victor Rask. I like that. Very happy for Carson Soucy. And he's he's the Nick Steeler of this season, I guess. Oh, Nick Steeler, like a year and a half ago, got going during the uh, Jonas Brodeen injury. Got going, went up to the second pairing. That's how good Nick Steeler was playing. He was on the second pairing. And, and Carson Soucy was still just kind of rotting in the AHL. Now... Poor Nick Steeler's been rotting in the press box ever since. Just four games on the season for uh, Nick Steeler. Of course, they play the same position, the left shot defenseman, and they're going to be on the third pairing 99% of the time. Maybe once in a blue moon, they'll go up to the second pairing due to injury or just a situation, whatever it is. But uh, Susie, he's been ever solid. He's been ever solid. He's been a plus player all season, and I can't complain about Carson Susie. Nobody's perfect, obviously, and he's not a kind of guy who's like, wow, Carson Soucy, he's going to be one of the, the pillars of the, the future of this team. He is one of the integral pieces, one of the core pieces of the, fran- of the franchise looking forward. No, he's not, but he's a steady, steadying influence in that, uh, on that third pairing and doesn't make mistakes, and I'm, I'm happy for him, and he's won a national... Oh, actually, he lost. He lost. <laughs> Duluth went to three national championship games, lost one, and then won the last two. 
believe it or not. Uh, Carson Susie actually lost. Unfortunately, it's Nick Sweeney that has two national championships to, uh, compared to Carson Susie, who only made it and lost, unfortunately, in his case. Um, but I don't know. It was a fun night. I was happy for Carson Susie and what he brings to Minnesota. But, well, I'll just kind of keep moving forward from there. It was a fun night for him. Of course, a frustrating loss. A very fun night, though, on the 19th of November. Minnesota ends up going right past the Buffalo Sabres. Wow. I mean, Zach Parisi, a couple goals in this one. Just unbelievable. He's a guy who went from, like, nothing to 11 goals before you knew it. I mean, he's been just unbelievable. He looks like Zach Parisi again. And, again, it's just one of those older guys. Like, how Matt Collin would start slow. Eric Stahl this year started slow. Uh, other old players in the league, they always seem to start slow, and then once they get going, boom. I mean, even Chris Carter of the Vikings always seemed to start slow. Minnesota Viking wide receiver, of course, back in the day, would always start really slow, and then he'd just take off, and then he was Chris Carter again. And that's kind of what Zach Parisi's been this year on the power play, and also even working with Euler Eck, which is an interesting uh, situation there. Of course, you know how things pop up, and guys stay on, other guys go off, this and that. Maybe it was in the middle of a... Of a in the middle of a change, and then there you go. Yul uh, Eriksson winding up with a sixth assist, and he's been he's been picking up the points slowly but surely. Of course, not really scoring goals a whole lot. It's Yul Eriksson but he'll wind up with assists here and there. He's got the skill, and he's extremely frustrating to play against. That's what's been going on. He really gets into people under people's skin, and that's the good part. Uh, he really got into Jack Eichel in this game. Again, Jack Eichel, one of the franchise players for the Buffalo Sabres, really got him going. And that was cool, um, because you want to consider Jack Eichel versus Jewel Erickson Eck. Most people would say, well, that's like, you know, yeah, that's like comparing a $20 bill to a quarter, which, I don't know, maybe that's a little too harsh, but, because I think Jewel Erickson Eck still has a nice future in the league, but the fact that he's getting under people's skin is helpful, and it's not like he's Matt Cook trying to injure people, sticking his knee out and causing, you know, knee sprains and God knows what else. It's nothing like that. He's just frustrating players. They're not able to have the freedom they want. Uh, Jules Eriksson Eck is just a glue defensive player out there. He's as good of a defensive center as you'll get, basically, especially for someone that is youth. Absolutely fantastic. So it's nice to see him picking up points as well. Again, Parisi on the power play there. Ryan Suter's been red hot as well. Seven points in the last five games overall. Kevin Viola just continuing, continuing to pick up points on this Parisi line. Parisi Koivu Fiala line. It's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful group, and I don't want to see them broke up. Uh, Zucker wound up getting an empty netter down the stretch. Stall, <laughs> Stall and Quavo working together. Interesting group there, but it's an empty net situation. Minnesota getting the job done and beating Buffalo 4-1. That was pretty cool. And Alex Daylock continuing to be fantastic in net. I've barely even talked about him. Generally speaking, he's been fantastic, and then he had games like Boston where he was good the entire game and just got screwed at the end. You know, It's like you got to make the stops, but still. Still. He, he, he just... I don't know, everything just collapsed in front of him, and it's like, what the hell can you do? So that was beyond frustrating <sighs> for Alex Daylock, the 32-year-old goaltender of Minnesota. Again, just in net pretty much every night here. You finally get to see Kapo Kakinen in net coming up here, the most recent game, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, his second NHL game and his first NHL win. Makar, my goodness, he's fantastic, of course. Remember last year he played in the National Championship game. They ended up losing to Duluth. It is what it is, there, that uh, Massachusetts there. But uh, UMass Lowell, but uh, winds up being a phenomenal defensive player. 
gets uh, our defenseman, pardon me, gets a couple goals in the game. He's just got the skill. He's got what it takes. He's got the release. He's got everything. He's good at everything, basically. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Uh, it was funny, Mr. Boudreaux during the uh, press conference, post-game press conference, is saying, I'd, I'd like to be his agent. He's going to make a lot of money. There was a, got a couple chuckles there. That was fun. Uh, Zuccarello, a guy who's been fairly invisible. He'll pick up assists here and there, winds up with his fourth goal this season. And Jordan Greenway, you got to see a lot of that emotion out there. Again, getting rewarded. The whole third line working together on that one. Very cool to see them. Kind of a tic-tac-toe type of goal. Not not really, but kind of. Uh, t- as tic-tac-toe as it's going to get for these guys, per se. It's working together, winding up with it. The Cunning, Eck, and Greenway all working together on Greenway's second goal of the season. And then Jason Zucker finishes it off midway through the third period. And mostly, though, just a good, solid defensive play in front of uh, Alex Stalock. This team loves Alex Stalock. They work hard for him, and his puck control is excellent. Obviously, Dubnik is the opposite type of guy, basically. He covers more ground, that's for sure, uh, without having to move around as much. So Stalock's saves look much more dramatic because he has to move more to get there. But, hey, you know, he's got that flexibility. And, of course, again, his puck handling is fantastic. Alex Stalock has been an underrated goalie in the NHL, and he sure looks like it, though, of course. He does have those stinkers from time to time. Or just unfortunate games like Boston. But, hey, an extremely impressive win for Minnesota. This is easily the most impressive win of the year. Keeping a high-powered offense like uh, the Colorado Avalanche in check like this. And Minnesota's been awesome at home this year. Like last year, the Wild were horrible at home. We were decent. We were above average on the road, but horrible at home. And that was the problem. This year, well, you can't say we're horrible on the road. We've been adequate. We, and I mean, it's been like, you know, a thousand games on the road. And I like how Bill Guerin says it. We can't be complaining about the schedule. I mean, if we're going to come out and whine and bitch about the schedule, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just a bunch of babies, basically. So because it it's all relative. You're going to have half home, half away. So if you have a ton of away games right now, you're going to have a ton of home games later, which could mean maybe they will make the playoffs. Maybe they will. And again, is that a good thing? I don't know because I want a high draft pick. I really do. I want a high draft pick, but I also want this team to pick the right player, regardless if it's 20th or 2nd in the draft. Pick the right bleeping player. You know, I mean, it's Brock Besser or, or Jewel Erickson Eck. Uh, and again, lots of experts like Jewel Erickson Eck more than Brock Besser. Uh, though Brock Besser would look real nice in a wild jersey right now. We all know that. Uh, Jewel Erickson Eck looks decent in a wild jersey as well, of course. Again, and he's as good a defensive player as there is. But Minnesota Wild have been nothing but defensive players forever. I mean, that's the other side of it. As good as Wes Walls was, he was known for his defense. As good as Richard Park was, he was, or, well, he wasn't that good, but he was speedy and dangerous. He was known for his defense, and you could go on forever. As good as Koivu, known for his defense. You know, you could go on for a thousand years about how they're going for their defense, and I'm glad that the Wild have good defensive players. And, of course, some games, they look like there's no defense whatsoever in front of the net, particularly in just little stretches. Maybe you're awesome the whole game, and then, you know, it's kind of like Sharks versus... Uh, Vegas Golden Knights last season in the playoffs. Yeah, that was harsh. I can't believe there's still three games to go. I apologize. This was definitely the biggest one of all last Saturday, and this was a fun game to watch. Minnesota was playing awesome. Alex Daylock was just gorgeous in front of the net, as was took a rask for the most part, but of course Minnesota was just on their game throughout the entire night. Very happy to enjoy this one. It was a fun, fun night. Uh, Victor Rask ends up getting a second goal of the season. This was off his skate. We were afraid that he may have kicked it in, but he didn't. He was just going forward, and his 
there was no forward motion from his skate as if he was kicking it. It just happened that way because he was sliding forward, basically. So a fortunate goal, and that's what you need sometimes to get things going. Alex Dalek ended up finishing, facing, pardon me, 39 shots in the game. Absolutely frustrating night at the end of the day, particularly that furious rally by the Boston Bruins, who are by far the best home team in the NHL. They had not lost a regular uh, regulation game at home all season. All season. They had some overtime losses, and hopefully Minnesota was going to force Boston into an overtime loss, but it just wasn't meant to be because the Wild just don't win in overtime. We just don't, and I don't know. We don't have the personnel or what the heck the deal is. Tuka Rask went from a guy who was you know, getting beat earlier in the game to a guy that was unbeatable down the stretch. Minnesota builds up a 4-2 lead. You feel so good, so happy. And then and then the final two minutes happened, and everything just went downhill. It was penalty after penalty, and 6-on-4. You had the 6-on-4 empty net situation. Boston scores. And, of course, also Brad Marchand's goal with uh, four seconds remaining in the second period. That wasn't a good moment either. That got, you know, Minnesota was up 3-1. to one. You felt comfortable, kind of, kind of comfortable, not really. And then you give up a goal with four seconds remaining. That one hurt as well, but luckily Fiala got the wild up 4-2. to two. But then David Krecke, oh, Jiminy Christmas. David Krecke just wasted the wild down the stretch with the extra man and then the power play. It was, you had the extra man, then you had a power play penalty on Minnesota per se, and Krecke was able to finish there. Six on four. You just knew bad things were going to happen when the penalty took place and Boston got on the power play and they had their extra man already. You knew bad things were going to happen, and of course they did. And then you see Tori Krug <laughs> just take off like Matt Dumba, or I don't even want to say think about it anymore. Uh, Chicago defenseman last year against against uh, Arizona. That was extremely frustrating as well when I was counting on Kemper to win me a, uh, a fantasy championship. I didn't end up winning. I didn't end up winning anyway, but oof, that one almost cost me. Oh gosh, that was painful. But Tory Krug just turned on the turned on the Jets and exploded to the net for his third goal of the season. Of course, star defenseman for the Boston Bruins, but taking charge there in the moment. That was a big time play, and just Minnesota just caught sleeping again. I mean, we just anytime anybody gets any type of a burst, it seems like the Wild are just not fast enough, particularly in these overtime periods. We always have slow players on the ice and. Next thing you know, it's game over, and Boston wins 5-4 to four after leading the entire game, and how good Alex Stalock was. I felt terrible for him because it counts as five goals. Five goals. Luckily, it wasn't all in the 60, minute, uh, 60 minutes there. It was a couple extra minutes, but a lot of good that's going to do. The math is still going to suck for Alex Stalock there, and his goals against Everett dropped big time. An awesome game from Kevin Fiala, though. The energy was there. He had eight shots on net couple of blocks. What an awesome game from Kevin Fiala, and he's becoming more and more of a piece for the future for Minnesota, rather than just, like like I called him last time around, like a lottery ticket. Like, hopefully he'll be something at some point, because he had the skill, the skill's visible, but the results aren't there. And now you're seeing better effort, and you're seeing more results. So, it looks like Kevin Fiala will be a piece. He's not a franchise player. Uh, but he might be one of those guys that they'll be talking about. He's one of the best players in Minnesota, a 30-goal type of guy with a ton of skill who can kind of do it all. Uh, and hopefully that's what Kevin Fiala is heading towards. A couple of blocks, though, very encouraging, but down the stretch this game, heartbreaking in the final two minutes, just absolutely devastating. And Boston remains, well, you know, they, they remain, uh, other than overtime losses, they have not lost a regulation 
game at home the entire season. So the no regulation losses at home. Extremely impressive for the Boston Bruins. And boy, are they determined to win that Stanley Cup. They still, to this day, have not uh, have, have only lost three uh, regulation games. So I guess, yeah, with the overtimes, they'd have lost. Uh, uh, in the playoffs, there's no extra point for losing in overtime. You lose the game. We all know that. We move on to Monday, the 25th, as we're getting caught up here. Another crappy overtime loss for Minnesota. It's just, just chalk it up again. Ryan Donato getting his second goal of the season. Him and Ryan Hartman, the Ryans teaming up on the fourth line there for something. That was nice. Uh, second line again, Parisi Fiala adding the points. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Minnesota not productive against an aging goaltender. And uh, it's just all there is to say it. Henrik Lundqvist has not had a good year at all. Another, uh, neither has the semi-goalie of the future, Gorgiev. Neither one of them has been playing that spectacular for the New York Rangers. But uh, very bright future for them. It's just the future isn't quite yet. They're above 500 and everything, but they're not ready for any type of big time. Uh, I don't even think the New York Rangers are playoff material at this stage. But in time, in time, you got guys like Brendan Lemieux and Capo Caco. Gotta love that name. It is hilarious. It's a hilarious name, but he's uh, obviously got a great future. Jacob Truba, big contract in the offseason as well. And Ryan Lundgren, that sounds extremely familiar, the former gopher hanging in there in the second pairing for the New York Rangers. It's a it's a likable team. It's a team it's a team you can say, hey, I I, I don't mind them at all. Like years ago he got sick of them. Like because they every damn free agent in the world that oh he's going to the Rangers. Uh you know, it, no matter who it was. If it was Gretzky, obviously Messier. Uh if it was whoever. I mean, you know, Yarmer Yager winds up there. This guy winds up there. That guy winds up there. He got sick and tired of it. And then now, you know, they're just building from within, generally speaking, with a couple of solid free agents, solid signings. And uh, I kind of like what New York is doing. Hopefully the Wild can have a quick turnaround because New York was so bad last year. The Wild just rolled past them last season. Uh, but they're clearly an improved team, and hopefully Minnesota can have a quick turnaround as well with uh, Bill Guerin in charge. And, of course, some of these young guys taking the steps they need to take to get forward. Dumba is just not finding the puck luck. He's just not finding it. Still nine points on the season, despite very aggressive uh, in this game. Just did not get rewarded, unfortunately. But uh, I think he will eventually. I think he will eventually. He actually got cut in the fantasy league I'm in, so you can kind of guess who picked him up. Uh, yeah. You can kind of guess who picked up Matt Dumba, because I have a feeling he's going to pick it up at some point. It's It's got to happen, right? One of these days it's going to happen. Nice, solid win for Minnesota over New Jersey most recently. It was a nice feeling. 3-2 to two win over Zach Parisi's former club, and of course you see the number 9 out there, and it's not Zach Parisi. Yeah, that's old news. Uh, Parisi reaching the double digits, 10th goal of the season on the power play, uh, and Kevin Fiala part of things as well, along with Suter. And again, Suter, 7 points in the last 5 games. Very nice production from him. Jack Hughes, uh, the 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 above quest, his, his first career goal. Wayne Simmons was caught in a high stick. At first I thought he might even be off sides a bit, but no, nah, he was crossing the line before the puck. So that's okay, but it was a high stick, and the NHL knew it. They still called it a good goal. Of course, again, Wayne Simmons bringing the puck down with the stick, feeding Jack Hughes, who ultimately filled, uh, got it to Jesper Bovquist for his first career goal. Looked, He looked happy. He looked thrilled. You didn't want to ruin his parade. You didn't want to rain in his parade for his first career goal and everything, but it shouldn't have been a goal. And the NHL apologized during the course of the game, but the goal's still there. So the goal is still there. They sent an email, you know, it's like an inner office email, you know. They sent an email saying, we're sorry, it was, the, it was the wrong call. Well, thanks. But luckily Minnesota ends up winning the game, and 
All is well that ends well, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Man. Jordan Greenway again, continuing his stellar play for the most part, getting his third goal in two weeks. So it's not spectacular numbers. We get it. Not spectacular. But hey, we'll take it every piece at a time. And if Jordan Greenway can continue to uh, be a factor offensively along with his physical play, his aggressive play, it's going to be pretty exciting. And I felt very happy for uh, Jordan Greenway once again. And you, Jewel Erickson Eck with his eighth assist on the season. And then Ryan Stewart finishes things off down the stretch, uh, getting the third goal. And, of course, Alex Daylock and good, solid defense in front of him. Uh, excuse me, Cabo Cockin and good, solid defense in front of him. Um, I don't know why I called him Alex Daylock. Uh, good, solid defense in front of him throughout the game. You felt bad for Cabo Cockin on that goal because it shouldn't have counted, but Cockin was outstanding throughout the game. He faced 34 shots. You know, I mean, he's just a strong overall performance for Cabo Cockin. This is definitely something right here. I think I think he can. I think he's an NHL goalie. I I do. I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's a matter of, is it just you know you get off to the nice start and then reality sets in. We all know how that can happen. And he did not have a good start. His first NHL game was not good. So there's always that. But then, then you have games like this against a team with some offensive firepower. They have some. They don't have a whole lot yet. I mean, but there's. In the next couple of years, watch out. If these guys pan out, holy crap. I mean, they've got a ton of talent over there, including Adam Hall, who might wind up with the uh, Edmonton Oilers again. I know some people hope that happens, but uh, Taylor Hall, I keep calling him Adam Hall. Taylor Hall winds up with the uh, Edmonton Oilers again someday. Some people were hoping that might be the perfect fit there, going back to the Oilers, but uh, we'll see. Um, Capo Kakinen, though, a very strong very strong game for his first NHL win. Again, facing 34 shots and stopping 32, and one of them shouldn't have counted anyway, so you do the math there. I mean, it would be 33 saves. His save percentage is about 95 and, and, and up, 96 probably, actually. Um, very, very encouraging. And then he most recently have a not-so-good game for <laughs> his counterpart there in the AHL. Oh, man. Mm, Matt, Matt, Ro- Matt Robson. Oof, oof. He gave up seven goals most recently. We'll talk about that in segment number two. I couldn't believe it. Seven goals. So, I guess, Capo, you're the goalie of the future for now. <laughs> I guess. No, I mean, I don't think that's... Matt Robson's going to have a bad game. And, of course, uh, just, you know, it just is what it is. So, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but Kakinen, overall, nice, solid start. He looked confident. He looked calm. He looked ready to roll. And that's the take on him. He's a confident guy who's ready to go. He's not nervous at all. He might have been nervous in his first game, but I wouldn't have been surprised. But this wasn't his first game, and he stood strong throughout the day. So uh, very happy to see Cabo Kakinen with an encouraging start there. And I think the future is very much, you know, it's... I think the future is almost now. It's it's getting to that point because, obviously, Devin Dubnik, I think he needs, I think he needs a change of scenery. I do. He'll play better on a different team, I think. Uh, I don't think he's as happy here as he'd like to say. And it's it's nothing personal against anybody. It's just sometimes it's time to move on, especially a goaltender when things get in your head and the frustration and all that. And, of course, maybe he has lost a step. Maybe you can get a team in front of him that's better, better defensively, better overall. They, they just control the puck more, a much more puck control, puck possession, per se. A team like a Boston, maybe he can go there and be the backup, but no, he he won't play for Boston. They're, they're good there. But a team like Toronto, a team like... Calgary, who's not as stable, but they score goals. Like, Calgary scores goals, so maybe Devin Dubnik can take off there. 
or even the Edmonton Oilers, God forbid. How funny would that be if he wound up back with Edmonton? But with that said, let's pass out the awards since the last show. Again, getting caught up here, so apologize if it got a little bit long. It is what it is, and it's a Thanksgiving show. I hope you're enjoying every minute of it as much as I am. I always love doing the uh, Thanksgiving Brave the Wild episode, even though there's a bit of catching up to do, which isn't always the best thing (laughs) at times. It can drag on sometimes catching up. But the general play of the team has been improved, obviously. Uh, you know, Kevin Fiala is now at 11 points on the season. Jason Zucker, 16. Ryan Suter, 16. Zach Breeze is up to 10 points now. You've still got a lot of minuses because of the awful start to the season. Luke Cunning's a minus 13. Just snake bit earlier in the year. But for Fiala get, to get up to 11 recently and Parisi to explode, I think those two guys are going to bring home the uh, Mike Modano Award. Mike Modano slash Neil Broughton Award since the last episode. It's got to be Parisi and Fiala working together on that second line. And Koivu's been very strong. He's at 11 points as well. They're not great numbers. It's like, okay, you might get 40 points or 45 points by the end of the year. But, hey, you know, Kevin Fiala, that's that's building. That's a building block for him. Uh, Parisi's probably going to get more than that. He could probably get up to 55 to 65 and hopefully 25 to 30 goals on the season. Dumba's just, oof, he's struggling. But, no, Parisi and... Fiala will get the Madonna. Matt Dumba is going to bring home the James Shepard Memorial because it's just it's just not happening for him right now. And again, this is a very gentle one. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm not saying he had a crappy week or a crappy couple weeks or anything. It's just not, he's just not finding the net like, like you'd, you'd like. And uh, you're hoping for the best here for Matt Dumba. Minus seven. I mean, it's been worse. He's caught up a bit. But he needs to continue to get better. And, of course, i got to think he's going to find the net more and more often soon. And, of course, if it's from a tip-in from someone else where he gets the assist, of course, or they just start going through and then you start talking about dumb bombs. And next thing you know, he's got 15 goals. And then it's like, okay, yep, all's right with the dumb world. And you start feeling better. So all's right with the dumb bomb. And hopefully that continues to happen. But for now, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pass out the James Shepard Memorial. With that said, we'll take a quick break. We'll preview a couple games and look at the prospects and wrap up the show in segment number two. back here on Brave the Wild segment number two. Let's look at three games and then of course look at the prospects and call it a show and wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. The Minnesota Wild will be hosting the Ottawa Senators a matinee game on November the 29th, Black Friday. So while you're using your Best Buy app or whatever app it might be, Amazon or something, possibly because uh, screw Black Friday with the shopping. Just uh, do the cyber thing. I think it's much easier and better. Minnesota Wild hosting the Ottawa Senators who are slightly better but still seventh place. Hockey's weird. Like, you're almost 500, but you're last place. Like, the Wild and the Ottawa Senators. Anders Nielsen is leading the way there. The former, in net anyway, the former Vancouver Canuck, who used to pair with the other guy. I don't even want to get into it right now. Craig Anderson's still there. He's been there forever. Of course, he used to pair with Andrew Hammond, who's, of course, left the Wild organization after only one year with Iowa. Unfortunately, never got to suit up for the Minnesota Wild, at least not in an actual game. Oh, boy, it's a talented team in some ways and not others. They got some good youth there, Brady Tachuk and others. 
Anthony Duclair has got 15 points in the season. John Gabriel Pagio, uh, Pagio has uh, 19 points. He's a plus 17 on the season. He's standing out above everybody on the Ottawa Senators. What an awesome uh, start to him, uh, to his season. 13 goals in the season. Again, a plus 17 with the Ottawa Senators. Holy crap, that's pretty damn good. So good for him. John Gabriel Pagio. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm staying right. And he's actually from Ottawa. He was only a fourth round pick years ago in 2011, but he is uh, off to a blazing start after, you know, he's, he's just been adequate. He's been about what a fourth-round pick is, you know, third, fourth-line kind of guy throughout his career, but he's been insane this year, so good for him. Sometimes guys get off to good starts, and then you just kind of go from there. It kind of catches up. We'll see what happens. Maybe he's breaking through, so good luck to him, but uh, there's, there's pieces on this team. It's not even that, and there's Tyler Ennis. 11 points on the year for Tyler Ennis, the former Wild player who did who basically had 11 points the whole damn season, and Buffalo Sabre, who had a lot of talent in the past, about a 45, 50-point guy, and then the concussions took over, and, you know, it's just kind of all she wrote. So up-and-down career for uh, Tyler Ennis, to say the least. But good start to his season. He's just been better everywhere but here, I guess. And, of course, originally with Buffalo. Everywhere but Minnesota, Tyler Ennis has been better. He is a minus eight, though. But, again, what an amazing start for, uh, boy, John Gabriel there. Oof. What an amazing start to the season. Plus 17 on a team that's, you know, everybody else is minus pretty much. He has always pluses here and there, but it's nothing great. Like, plus three, you know. <laughs> so, it's a team that's in flux. They're, you know, they're in rebuilding. Craig Anderson's been there forever. He's, you know, he's below average now, unfortunately, as good as he was years ago. Anders, Anders Nielsen, you know, Anders Nielsen, the former, again, you know, he's just, you know, it's just a couple of Band-Aid goaltenders at this stage. <sighs> just like when you think maybe a Staylock and whoever, that type of thing, and then a goalie of the future, possibly a Kapo Kakinen or uh, Matt Robson, that type of thing. But uh, I, I don't know. The Minnesota Wild need to take care of business against this team. The Wild have been very good at home. Power play is 31st in the league for the Ottawa Senators. They're decent in the goals, though. Goals category, they're in the upper echelon. But uh, Or, excuse me, goals against. Their, their goaltending has been adequate. Their defense is solid. It's mostly Nielsen, though, more so than the Craig Anderson. Their goaltending has been, has been good enough, that type of thing. The penalty kills 11th in the league. But... I don't know. Minnesota should win this game. I'm sure Alex Dalek will be a net. I don't think Capo Kakinen, Capo Kakinen is going to be a net again. Oh, say that, say that uh, correctly three times in a row, and you get a prize. I think Capo Kakinen, Capo Kakinen, Capo Kakinen. Okay, I guess I got the prize. Ah, sorry, I'm stupid here. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood. Can you tell? I'm in a really weird mood. But it's Thanksgiving Day, and I'm talking hockey. I'm I'm very excited to be back back talking hockey and back on the regular schedule again. Minnesota Wild does need to take care of business against the Ottawa Senators. These matinee games historically have been horrible for Minnesota. So if it goes historically, the way things go, it's going to be like a 4-2 to two loss. Empty net goal for Ottawa. Ottawa beats the Wild 4-2. to two. But just the way the Wild have been playing compared to with Ottawa just as mediocre as ever... The way the Wild played at home, especially. Like last year, I would have picked Ottawa to beat the Wild, I think. Because just, what the hell? But I like the way the Wild are playing at home, and their momentum's on a positive turn. I'm going to pick the Wild to win 3-1. to 3-1, to one, maybe 3-2 to two over the Ottawa Senators. The most likely guy to score in this one. Uh, Got to go with a hot hand. It's going to be Zach Parisi. I think he's going to score against the Ottawa Senators at the end of the day. 
Um, I want to go with Dumba, but we'll go with Dumba at some point later on here. But I do believe that Zach Parisi scores against the Ottawa Senators for his 11th goal of the season and yeah, and all that. Minnesota wins 3-1, to 3-2. to two. Let's go with 3-1, to one, and Alex Stalock puts in a masterful effort against a team that doesn't score a whole lot. I mean, only 66 goals on the season. I was going to say, they're 12th in goals for? No, of course I was looking at the wrong category. And uh, that's uh, an understatement. The Dallas Stars coming up here as we head into... We head into December. Yep, we get to turn the calendar here. We get to turn the page. 2019 is going into the final month of the year. Minnesota Wild hosts the Dallas Stars Sunday afternoon. So another matinee. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Another matinee as we're already wrapping up the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I'm just sick thinking about how quick that's going to go. I don't want to go back to work. I hate this. (laughs) It's too fast. Always. It always is. Look at me complaining. Dallas Stars, they score goals. They score goals, and they have good, strong goaltending. They're a completely good team. Uh, They started off the season terribly, but they are right about where a lot of us thought. They are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Second in the the Central. They're actually ahead of uh, Colorado right now, which is amazing. St. Louis is winning the division. Blah, 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 blah. Big surprise. Penalty kill fifth in the league, just like they were in the North Star days. They're kind of like, yeah, they're kind of like what we wish the North Stars were in general. The power play has not been that great, but they score goals full strength, and again, their goaltending has been extremely strong. Anton Kodobin, I mean, you could look at the NHL and find a bajillion former wild goaltenders one way or another if they were just a prospect who barely made the NHL roster here and there, or if they never got to the NHL roster, or if they were on the wild for two or three years, five years, like a Darcy Kemper here and there, up and down. Uh, Joe Pavelski, Pavelski, pardon me, with only five goals in the season. He's, He's off to a slower start, but he's an aging guy. He's been picking up a little bit. Corey Perry's definitely an older guy. I mean, talk about a team signing older players. Uh, Rudolov would have been in and out of the NHL, going back to Russia, coming back to the U.S., going back to Russia with different teams here and there. He's been wonderful for Dallas since coming back to the NHL, and he's been at Dallas the whole time. Uh, Tyler Sagan, 21 points, leading the way again, the top playmaker for the Stars, but certainly not the top goal, to, uh, goal scorer. And it's been Rube Heinz. Hints. Uh, it's just kind of a consistent up and down. There's no star goal scorer for the Dallas Stars. It's just kind of a group effort and good, strong, awesome goaltending. Gudobin, 2.14 goals against average. There, here's the most alarming statistic, though. And this is what tells you how consistent these goalies are. How many shutouts do the Dallas Stars have this year? Zero. That's crazy. Goaltending is unbelievable in Dallas. 9-5 and for Ben Bishop, 2.24. He was oft injured in the past in his days with the Lightning and such. But uh, since coming to the Stars, his first year was meh. But ever since then, he's been an elite goalie. He's been an elite goalie. Uh, save percentage just under 93. Anton Kudobin's save percentage is at 93. And again, zero shutouts for the Dallas Stars. Yet, wow, the goaltending is just amazing. It's consistency. It's not this up and down. He's got three shutouts, but his goals against average is like 2.8. Well, yay. That means he's just Mr. Hot and Cold. And sometimes I felt that way about Kapo Kakinen last year with the Iowa Wild after some amazing stretches. Then he'd have goals like uh, Matt Robson did the other night where Robson was the consistent guy until that game. So that was a disappointment, to, uh, to say the least. That's the Stars affiliate there, the Texas Stars. Texas Stars. Uh, trashing the uh, Iowa Wild the other night. Ugh, that one's bugging me, man. I'm mad about that game. It pisses me off. Seven goals, and they all counted. So you can tell that one hurts. I don't think the Wild beat the Dallas Stars. It's a crappy matchup. It's never been good. Um, and the Stars are playing phenomenal hockey. I think 
Minnesota, uh, Dallas wins the game 3-2, to 4-2, to maybe an empty netter. At the end of the day, I just think they're a better team. The most likely guy to score for the Minnesota Wild in this one. Gosh, I mean, who is it going to be in this one? I mean, Eric Halla. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Eric Halla, that'd be cute, wouldn't it? No. Uh, you know, it's like I almost I almost should have saved this one for Zach Parisi, but no, the most likely guy to score will be Eric Stahl. I think he finds the net again. He'd been quiet of late, but he'll find the net against the Dallas Stars. But the Wild win, or lose, excuse me, they only score two goals in this game, four, uh, three to two or four to two, possibly empty netter down the stretch. I think the Wild lose in regulation. And if we force OT, we'll find a way to lose, I'm sure. And I'm not trying to be negative. It's the way it is, right? You know the song? Something's never changed. It's the way it is. Well, you know, until things do change, that's our theme song heading into overtime. I'm sorry, but I'm gotta, I've got to be honest. I've got to be uh, I've got to be honest, and I don't want to be. I hate it, but it's, you know, something's never changed. It's the way it is. It's the Florida Panthers coming up. Oh, boy. Let's watch out for those Panthers. I'm not too excited about playing them. The Florida two-step. Oh, boy. These almost never work out. Almost never. The funny part is, even when Florida stunk, we'd find a way to lose to the Panthers, like we always do, and then we'd beat Tampa or put in the game of our life, like we'd lose 2-1 to one or something. We'd put 40 shots on net, but we'd lose 2-1, to one, or we'd win 2 to nothing, something like that. Uh, Vasilevsky gives up a goal late or something. Wild end up winning 2 nothing over Tampa, something like that last year. Pretty crazy. Tickets are cheap down there, aren't they? Wow, they're cheap. Everything's cheap in Florida, isn't it? Everything, except maybe eventually... I don't know, like other things. I don't know, like going to a bar or something probably costs like a billion dollars. <laughs> probably does. I don't even want to know. Uh, but Minnesota 1-1 one one now. You defeat the Ottawa Senators. You lose to the Stars. Sergey Brovsky, people are saying he's doing a good job in Florida. Is he, though? Is he doing a good job in Florida? He, I don't think he is. They're like one of the worst teams in the league in goals against. But they're one of the best teams in the league in scoring. They're third in scoring. They're third in penalty minutes as well. Power play is 7th in the league. Penalty kill is 10th. So the special teams have been awesome in Florida. Definitely in the top third. They're their second place in the Atlantic Division, but not a good record. 12-8-5. and five. You know, they don't look like a second place team with that record, but uh, they have all kinds of uh, young talent and veteran talent and a goaltender that's, you know, it's a crappy contract. They screwed up here. And again, he's averaging about 3.5 goals against his uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. He's not that good. Can, can we say that openly? He's not that good. Uh, and neither is this somebody called Monta Menbolt. He's, he's not that good either. Uh, Bobrowski's got a shutout, though. Yeah, yeah, but his save percentage is 88. It's, it's not the 80s. You know, see, in the 1980s, when hockey was more wide open and guys scored like crazy and scores were 7-5, to 7-4, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, Bobrowski's decent. You know, this is like Grant Fuhrer here, right? He's a good goalie. Yeah, but not, not in this day and age. 3.48 is awful. It's awful. Ah, uh, you, you, you need to be at least 2.6 or something to be considered halfway decent. 3.48, 3.5 basically. Uh, he's lost in overtime four times as well. Uh, yet he's 9-6 and six because the team in front of him is scoring. That's the difference. You got Huberdo, you got Barkov, you got Dadonov. I mean, everybody's scoring. You got double-digit goals for Huberdo, Dadonov. Uh, Brett Conley's actually leading in goal scoring. 19 points on the season for him. Mike Hoffman, the former senator, Aaron Ekblad, who's uh, Ekblad, pardon me, he's been a solid player for years. Vincent Trotschak, the veteran, he's been off to injury just like he was last year. God, couldn't stay healthy for his life. Brian Boyle, oh yeah, former Montreal Canadian, who's had his, uh, been a nice, solid fourth-line player there. 
who can score, kind of a third, fourth line, bottom six guy who can score. But um, they have scores. Their goaltending stinks, but they score. They're kind of like that. And, of course, you have uh, Joel Quinville as coach for a long time. I do think Florida's got a nice, solid future. They're actually ahead of Toronto, who, yes, they fired Mike, Mike Babcock. Everybody's talked about it. Mike Babcock is, the, Babcock is the meanest coach ever. He sucks. He's an asshole. Everyone hates him. He's the Paul Fenton of coaches. I, I, I guess he is. From some of the stuff that's going around, I guess he kind of is. So, I don't know. And then... There was a time, see, it's like Mike Babcock's going to Toronto. He's like the best coach in the NHL. And then, see, that's what people were saying when he left Detroit. Now people are saying, well, he only won one Stanley Cup with Detroit. What the hell? With all those talented players, you know, that they had back then in the, in the, you know, in the, er, you know, the early half of the 2000s into the late early 2000s into the, you know, before the 2010s, whatever. Yeah, well, they only won, they only won a single Stanley Cup there with, you know, Zetterberg and such. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, though, how people turn on a guy that quickly, <laughs> or that much, anyway. I mean, leaving Detroit, you thought you thought he was the greatest coach of all time. You thought he was better than Scotty Bowman. And then he leaves Toronto, and you think he's, you know, you think Mike Yo is, is like 10 times better than him. You know, that type of thing. So, I don't know. Like, at least Mike Yo treats people like human beings. Babcock treats people like machines. He's, a, he's an asshole. I don't know. Um... At his price tag, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to sign him anytime soon. They're going to want to bring him in and hire him. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Detroit. Maybe Detroit will bring him back. Ah, probably not. Probably not. But Florida, the goals are happening, and they're winning games. The goaltending stinks. Uh, again, this contract, after drafting, you know, the hottest goaltender in the draft, the top goaltender in the draft, you sign this guy to a contract that never ends. I don't know. Good luck trading him, eh, especially if he's putting up numbers like this. Oh, Florida, you're going to have a very expensive backup goalie, I think, in a couple of years, because I know Bob has not been good. <laughs> Sergey Bob has not been a good goaltender for Florida. And it's not like the defense in front of him has been that bad, has been that good either. It's just been an offensive-minded team, and Florida is all over the place, aren't they? They're just, it seems like a couple of years ago, it seems like two years ago, they were the kind of team that would beat you two to one, or, you know, they'd score like five goals in like two weeks. Now they're scoring like five goals a game. It's like, what the hell? It's all over the place in Florida. I, I, and of course, guys get hurt and it's up and down and a different coach and blah, blah, blah. But again, it's not like Quinville's a bad defensive coach. I mean, Chicago has always been a solid defensive team uh, during his days there. But again, their offense was sick. And of course, it's going to be when you have guys like Kane and Taves and others along the way. So I don't know. Minnesota's not going to beat Florida. I think it's going to be like four to three, five to four. It's going to be a messy game, but I think Florida's offense, is their offensive firepower is just going to be too good for the Wild. they got a lot of young talent and veteran talent. The Wild will score goals, but they will not win the game. It's going to be like five, four, four, three. I'm going with like, it might be like five, three, something like that with an empty netter. I don't, I don't know. I keep bringing up the empty net. Let's go with 4-3. I think the Wild defense is going to at least keep it to 4. Yay. And, of course, you know, Staylock or Kakinen, whoever's in that. But Florida's going to beat the Wild, unfortunately. Maybe Bobrovsky will look like uh, will look like Ken Dryden out there, like magically. It's always like that when a goalie's not been doing well, and then they're awesome against us. They're just They just stop everything. They stop 40 shots. The Wild have got all the energy in the world, but nothing's going in. But the Wild will lose to Florida, bottom line, and he'll have a 1-2 week. 
heading into next week's show. Let's jump in and look at the prospects. Oh, most likely guy to score against Florida will be Matt Dumba. He'll get his fourth goal finally for the <laughs> about bleeping time, but he will get his fourth goal of the season. I've got a sneaky feeling he's going to score two goals in, in the game. I think whenever Dumba does get his next goal, he's going to get another one. He's going to have a multi-point game at the very least, but I think he gets two goals in his next game. So Matt Dumba scores two goals against Florida. That's a bold prediction, in my humble opinion. Now let's look at the prospects. As per usual, we jump in with the Iowa Wild. Yes, sir. They've been, you know, they've been playing well until that seven to four loss to the frickin' Texas Stars. Matt Robson's goals against average was about two point one until that game, and now it's two point five five. So he's just like decent, run of the mill, you know. Well, the average good goaltender in the AHL. This is like an average, average good. See, there's really good, like two point one, like Anton Kordobin and, and Ben Bishop. And then there's average good, like Stalock Dubnik, you know, when they're at their, when, when they're playing well. Dubnik is obviously like Bob Rossi this year so far, unfortunately. Not quite as bad, but he's, he's right around that same number. 2.55. Save percentage dropped about 20%. Well, not 20, about 2%, which is a huge in a goaltender. Uh, in the goaltender world, a 2% drop is huge. Still a little bit ahead of Kapo Kakinen, but not much. Kapo Kakinen, um, his goals against average slightly better, and again the record seven and two. And uh, Matt Robson has had four overtime losses. Whew, duh. that's that's kind of rough. He's been snake bit in those close games, as Robson, unfortunately. So hopefully he can bounce back nicely. I'm guessing he'll be in that again, of course, until Dubnik comes back. He'll be the main goalie for the uh, Iowa Wild. Otherwise, uh, we could be seeing Birabo get his debut in the AHL. Nico Sturm's now up to eight points. He's been quietly climbing up. He's kind of like the Jewel Erickson Eck, I guess. Quietly climbing up for the Iowa Wild. It's, you know, Jewel Erickson Eck's had nine points on the season for Minnesota. Sam Honest, 14 points. Gerald May, he was just flat out the, the leader and best player on the uh, Iowa Wild. But Brennan Menil continues to add points here and there, like a point a game pretty much. He's been on a point a game clip after the slow start. He's at 15 now. He's a plus two, so the number's gradually getting better there, but a lot of minuses at this stage because of the that awful game. Uh, but Mayhill's a plus, Mayhew, pardon me, is a plus five. Uh, Connor DeWare, who'd been, de- I want to say DeWare, but it's DeWare, <laughs> DeWare. <laughs> He's added his second goal and added an assist this past week after getting his first goal finally. A couple of weeks ago, but uh, he's had about two points the last week, so good for Connor DeWare. kind of starting to chip away, starting to chip away now, starting to put some points in, and he's getting some ice time in Iowa. Happy for him. Dimitri Sokolov got in his fifth game recently after been, you know, been getting scratched forever. Hopefully, he can get things going, and it's unfortunate. Belpedio's quieted down again. He's been up and down. Will Biden's been pretty quiet as well. Bitten, pardon me. Been pretty quiet. Brandon DeHaim added his third goal of the season recently, but he's been relatively quiet as well. It's pretty much just been Mayhew and Minnell. It's been the M&Ms there. The M&M, Mayhew, Minnell. Uh, Nico Sturm chipping in a goal here and there or, or an assist. He's just kind of like right in the middle there. Uh, J.T. Brown. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> God bless him. He's a good guy and everything, but I don't think he's NHL material. You can see he's not even scoring in the AHL, so... Need we say more? I, I don't want to see JT Brown in a Minnesota jersey anytime soon or ever again. God bless him, though. It is what it is. He's an AHL player. You know, God bless him forever. The Burnsville native, coolest guy ever, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think he's an NHL player. Nico Sturm is, but unfortunately he's stuck in 
Iowa because of Victor Rask, the Victor Rask contract. Otherwise, Nico Sturm would be the fourth-line center for Minnesota at this stage. Um, and he's got a lot of Miko in him. Miko and Nico, they're similar, uh, along with uh, Jewel Erickson X. So there's like three guys that can play a Koivu type of role, uh, be it in second, second to fourth line, basically. But uh, there's only room for two of them right now because of Victor, Victor-esque at the end of the day. And Minnesota's still lacking that top center because Gerald Mayhew's not a top center, you know. So And he's really more, more or less a right wing, but he'll play center down in Iowa. Brennan Mendel, wonderful future for him. I can't wait to see him in a Minnesota jersey. It's, let's just say Minnesota and Iowa because they're both wild. <laughs> still only 22 years of age, but just, just an awesome offensive weapon in Iowa. Very, very proud to see how he's rolling along. Matthew Boldy finally added his first assist for Boston College. Second point in 12 games <sighs> for Matthew Boldy. He's off to a slow start, but again, it's just patience. It's patience. It's one of those things. I mean, you know, Casey Middlestad started off slowly today, and I think he's still slow in terms of the NHL. He's still not putting in the points. First off's at a half point a game for the University of Connecticut, 6-12 and 12 there, so good for him, I guess. Hunter Jones had a huge game most recently in the OHL, stopping over 40 shots. What an awesome, awesome game. Now, he was the prospect of the week on MNW players because of how well he's done. At least he got my vote. I believe he won up with the vote. But uh, uh, Ivan Ladnia as well, just been unbelievable. Oh, he's, like they were saying, go and dominate the OHL instead of, you know, be adequate in the AHL, maybe struggle a little bit. Go dominate the OHL because even though he was drafted two years ago in 2017, Ivan Ladnia, uh, he uh, still, you know, they're, they're still super young. So go ahead and dominate the OHL and then come to the AHL and see what happens. That's the hope there. Oh, boy. Yep, yep, yep. Matvey Guskov, another Russian, of course. He's at about a half point a game for the London Knights uh, as a center. So that's, you know, Marshall Warren. Again, Matthew Boldy's teammate. He's got four points. He's doubled Matthew Boldy so far. Two goals, two assists. That's funny, but uh, obviously got a lot of offensive capabilities, as he did with the U.S. team. Nestorenko for the Chiliwak Chiefs, Ugh, 22 points on the season. That's just a funny name. Lindbergh playing for UMass Amherst of the Hockey East as well. Still putting up the numbers. He's not getting in a whole lot of games. He's kind of like, you know, he's like a backup that gets plenty of ice. You know, he gets about half the games or so. Maybe like a bit of a, a platoon there in, in uh for UMass Amherst, but he's putting up awesome numbers. I guess he's kind of like Anton Grudovin that way. 1.974 and 2 record. Good solid save percentage as well, about 92. Awesome for Philip Lindbergh. Seventh round pick, as Minnesota's good at seventh round picks. Gotta be happy with that. Jack McBain, yeah, he's getting kind of chipping away seven points for Boston College. Everybody plays for Boston College because, yeah, everybody plays for Boston College. Kovanov just tearing up Tearing it up in the uh, for the uh, Montecon <laughs> Wildcats, just unbelievable. About two points a game now. It went from a point and a half to about two points a game. Now he's got 17 goals in 20 games. He's been insane, absolutely insane. Very happy to have him a part of things. St. Cloud State has been struggling this year. I was talking about them as a national power because they've been a national power every year, but not so much this year. That's why you're seeing an even number, which is actually pretty good considering St. Cloud's not even ranked right now. That's weird. The Gophers are not anywhere near being ranked. St. Cloud State's not ranked. I don't know what happened there, but I guess you have drop-offs here and there. But uh, the new Brighton native, Sam Henches, still at a point and a half a game, though, dominating for the NCHC's uh, 
St. Cloud State, only two points uh, below last year's total already. So, again, Sam Hedges has just been phenomenal so far. He's the leading scorer with a wide margin so far for St. Cloud State. So an exciting prospect there. It's just too bad that they're not real good. That's unfortunate. Imagine if he was doing that well on a really good team. That's the one thing. But, hey, I mean, despite them stinking, I guess, he's still putting up good numbers. So there's that side of it. And Lonnie, like I said, he's at about two points a game now. Two points a game for the Niagara Ice Dogs. 12 goals in, tw in 14 games, 23 total points. He's a plus seven off to a gorgeous start in the OHL. Just hope the son of a gun can stay healthy because he had a shoulder injury a year ago and he just missed a ton of time. And he was always kind of hovering around a point a game, slightly above, slightly below, slightly above, slightly below. It was like, okay, come on, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And he's finally kind of doing it now. It's about bleeping time, right? Because I think Lanya's got some potential. It's just, again, how the NHL went to small, small skilled guys and now back to power. Went from powerful guys from forever, powerful guys with some skill, down to small skilled guys, then back to powerful guys again. So hopefully Lanya can make it in the NHL. He's going to be good enough, hopefully, to do that. Uh, Nick Sweeney, numbers down a little bit, but then again, are they really down? He's putting in, he's putting in the points. He's got three goals, five assists, eight total points in 11 games for the University of Minnesota Duluth. Good for him at the end of the day. <laughs> Bryce Misley. Let's stick to Bryce Misley. Watch Ace to one bleeping goal in 10 games. Oh, Bryce. Oh, I want the University of Vermont to break through again. I feel bad for them. I do. I. It's just, you think about all these schools out there. You get your you get your Quinnipiacs, you get your North Dakotas, you get your Denvers. You know, Quinnipiac is occasionally good, and then they're up and down here and there. But then you have teams like Lake Superior State that used to rule the the college world in hockey. And ever since, you'd never hear about them again. Northern Michigan, you never hear about them again. Um, you know, then you have, you have like, you know, University of Vermont. They made the they made it to the tournament. I believe they even went to the Frozen Four about 10 years ago. And you never hear about them again, ever. And it's like unbelievable. It's sad. Um, Union, I hope we don't hear about them ever again. Oh, I don't. Oh, that's one team. I don't want to hear about them ever again. But it's weird how that happens. How they just vanish off the face of the earth. And they're just stuck. And I feel bad for them. I do. I feel bad for them. You want to see them kind of make a comeback. You're sick of the Denvers and the North Dakotas. Those of you out there that are like, oh, I'm cheering for Denver or North Dakota. You know, I don't want Quinnipiac to win. Screw that. I'm sick of those teams. I'd rather see Quinnipiac win any day. I'm not cheering for North Dakota. I'm sorry. I don't like that fan base very much. I don't. And God bless you if you're from North or South Dakota and you're a Fighting Hawk fan, Fighting Sioux, Fighting Hawk, whatever you want to call them, fan. God bless you. I have nothing against you. I'm just not a fan, okay? I'm not a fan of your of your program. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bitter, bitter, angry Gover fan, okay? My team's not even close to being ranked, and it sucks, and I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed right now to even bring that up. Uh, well, Jack Sadick, how quiet he'd been. He got his first point the other day. Now he's at five. He's got five assists, so he's picking it up a bit there, kind of like he did with the Gophers in the ECHL, though. They're the Allen Americans, Texas. Allen, Texas Americans. Mm. Jack Sadick now at five points, and so it's kind of like an ECL, <laughs> ECHL watch, Allen American watch. Uh, the, the two guys you really want to talk about are Jack Sadick and Nick Boca, the former Gopher and former Michigan Wolverine. Nick Boca's a plus three for that team. He's got four assists in 12 games. So yeah, both of them right shot defensemen. Both of them solid. Uh, Jack Sadick's got a little more offensive capabilities than Nick Boca, but Boca's that big, strong, physical guy. He's kind of got a little Nick Sealer in him. 
Remember how Steeler used to pile up the penalty minutes and such in college and in the uh, the AHL? He never actually really played in the ECHL, if I can remember correctly. So I feel bad for Stadik and Boca, but right now the spots are kind of filling, filled up in the AHL with uh, veterans and young guys. You know, you got your Brennan Mendels and uh, Belpedio. That right shot spot is completely stuffed right now. Uh, you're stuck. That's the hard part. Where we were saying that about the left shot before, and now Susie has the golden opportunity and everything. Uh, as soon as somebody like Greg Pattern either gets traded or let go or whatever the heck we're going to do with him, he obviously he hasn't played a game this year and he's still recovering and this and that. As soon as he gets let go or whatever, there's at least one spot floating there. And do you want the young skill guy like a mental to come up? Or what can you do there? I mean, the, the good news is you have a tough guy with him on the left side, like a Susie or a Steeler. That's the, that's the side of it that you can kind of even things out. You have the tough physical guy with him to, uh, you know, stay at home, so to speak, if uh, the offensive guy wants to step up on the play, per se. Uh, you know, Menel, Belpedio, whatever. Well, Belpedio is kind of in the middle. Obviously, middle. Uh, he's just good, solid defensive player with offensive capability. Brennan Mendel's, you know, got that Spurgeon, you know, when uh, possibly more of a higher scorer than Spurgeon in the NHL, possibly as good as Spurgeon's bad. Mendel might be more offensive-minded, where Spurgeon's kind of, you know, intangible, this and that. He's kind of good at everything. Um, so it's, but you're stuck, though, because Dumba and, and uh, Spurgeon are signed for a long time. So I'm not mad that they're signed. Those are two guys you want on this team for many years because of their capabilities. Obviously, Dumba's got offensive capabilities like crazy, Spurgeon's Mr. Intangible. He's got offense, but he's a great defensive player as well and intellig- extremely intelligent. Probably the highest IQ on the whole team other than maybe Suter, who's obviously got a super high IQ. Um, but, you know, that last spot, is it going to have to be a physical guy like a Boca? Uh, kind of in the middle guy like Sadik? Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, it's a it's a logjam there. You know, so I feel bad for Boca Sadik. And, of course, Belpedio and Mental, I feel bad for as well because it's four guys for possibly one spot. Because, again, unless you're looking at trading Spurgeon or Dumba, those spots aren't going to open up without an injury. And who's cheering for an injury? Come on, get hurt, Dumba or, or Spurgeon. You know, who would who would cheer for that? So I feel bad for these guys a little bit. I keep coming to it, coming back to it because it's like, oh, I feel for them. I want them to have a crack. Uh, but it's going to be a hell of a time. It's going to be a hell of a time getting there. So that's kind of where I stand with that at this stage. It's looking at that right shot defense. It's oofda. It's it's full. Left shot is what it is. You know, you got, don't be surprised if Brodeen gets traded at some point. Don't be too surprised. But then again, do you want to trade him? Do you want to trade him? Like when he gets hurt or he gets traded, one of the two things, like when he got hurt last year or two years ago, it wasn't a good thing. We were super lucky that Sealer came up and was ready to go the way he was. But since then... I don't know. Steelers not been the same guy. Uh, Susie's been steady and solid, but you're not going to get a whole lot of offense from the guy. I mean, you know, I mean, he's he provides a little more than Greg Pattern, and he doesn't make the mistakes that Pattern would make on occasion. So, oof, it's a it's an interesting interesting situation there with the Wild defense. You're you're very happy with your top four guys, but I mean, are you ever going to win a Stanley Cup with them? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I'm not anticipating any type of a trade anytime soon with any of those guys, but at the same time, that might be what it may take to get a prolific score because obviously this team has not had a prolific score since our very first first-round pick, Marine Gabrick. We haven't had it. 
You can go ahead and say that uh, Eric Stahl was prolific that one year with 42 goals. He was really good, but you just never got that feeling like, wow, Eric Stahl is a franchise goal scorer because you knew the other shoe would drop. He's getting older, and, you know, he kind of is what he is. He's as good as he's going to be. Um, and time is going to catch up with him. <clears throat> it's not like he was 22 years old like he was with the Carolina Hurricanes years ago, and he had that bright future ahead of him, and he was hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup at age 21. What an unbelievable thing that must have been. 100-point season. And the next thing you know, he wasn't the same guy. You know, uh, He wasn't as dominant, let's just say. Uh, he had that great season, and then he was a 60-70 point guy. Like, nothing wrong with 60-70. It's just 100 is a little more exciting. And uh, I don't know. Minnesota Wild have lacked that forever. And, of course, you know, at least we got hope coming up in April with Kirill Kaprizov. That's the hope. And then you keep getting more and more excited about somebody like uh, Alexander Kovanov again for the Wildcats Quebec Major Junior Hockey League it's exciting but how quickly will he translate to the NHL it's it's going to take time I think it's going to take time I mean well I hope I hope he's in the AHL next year and I hope when he gets to the AHL he's he's outstanding but it's all a wait and see right now I mean you how quickly do you translate from juniors to the AHL and ultimately the NHL it's going to be interesting because see <clears throat> obviously Kirill Kaprizov is already in professional hockey. It's just Russian professional, and it's really hard to rack up points over there. The fact that he's the leading goal scorer in the entire KHL, it's freaking crazy cool. It's awesome. So <clears throat> that's where you get excited because it's, you know, it's a different brand over there. A lot of defense, a lot of physical play. So when you do score, it's freaking awesome. That's where you feel more confident with uh, Kirill Kaprizov coming in than maybe a Kovanov right out of the gate. So, but the numbers have been freaking awesome in that junior hockey league there, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for uh, Kovanov. So, I'm hopeful, hopeful and optimistic, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there to uh, name one of the nine billion cliches you can name at the end of the day. So, with that said, wishing all of you a happy Thanksgiving. This one's been a bit long, getting, getting caught up, kind of talking about a lot of different things. There's a lot of different things you can talk about with this team right now. The future, the present, the past, whatever. The past is not as interesting at this point because it is what it is. The present is semi-interesting because you got guys like Greenway and Fiala stepping up. But the future is, you know, it's crucial, obviously. Bill Guerin's going to make a move of some kind at some point. When will it be? Obviously, I mean, somebody's going to get traded. Will Dubnik get traded? Will Zucker get traded? I'm thinking Zucker's not going to get traded because Bill Guerin loved him, but you never know. It might be the the right move to make to open up a spot for someone else at the end of the day because, well, <clears throat> well the last two administrations, even though one lasted like a year and a half <laughs> or so, it was about a year, but it, there were two drafts. There's a lot of guys that shoot left. A lot of guys that shoot left. And Jason Zucker shoots left, so... <laughs> <clears throat> don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if he gets traded just for that very reason to open things up. If he doesn't, uh, him being Garrett doesn't see a, uh, if, if, if he doesn't see Zucker becoming a better player than he is at this stage. You like the skill, you like the speed, but the inconsistency has always been there. It's always been there for Zucker. So that's where uh, things get very interesting. Zucker or uh, Dubnik, I think, are the top two guys most likely to be traded, followed by possibly Jonas Brodin at the end of the day. I don't see Dumba or Spurgeon get traded, but I guess you never know. Maybe Bill Guerin's not impressed. Maybe he's not impressed, and he loves Brendan Mendel. He loves Louis Belpedio. That's what what it would take. That's why he would make a move like that. Uh, don't see Spurgeon getting traded. 
But again, I guess you never do know. You never do know. Sign a huge contract like that and trade him. That'd be weird. But, uh, well, we'll wait and see on that. With that said, again, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Sorry if this was a little too long for some of you. Maybe some of you are very happy and get to talk Minnesota Wild Hockey for about an hour and 15 minutes. Nothing wrong with that, right? Going to give a couple shout-outs here to uh, MNW Prospects, of course. I'm proud to be an admin of that page. I'm mostly doing the show and bringing the information to you, this and that, talking about the prospects and uh, encouraging you to join that page. MNW Prospects, what I will post on there on occasion as well. I get excited about certain games, you know, certain college players and OHL, AHL. It, it's exciting to keep up with the prospects. I'm obsessed with it. But on MNW Prospects, they keep up with everything. The NHL roster, AHL, ECHL, uh, OHL, blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. College, juniors, pros, and semi-pro in terms of AHL and ECHL. You know, like minor pro, we'll say, <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, so encouraging you to join that and have the conversation. Minnesota Wild Global, always a big shout-out to them. Scott Cavendish, kind enough to allow me to post a link to that page, uh, a link on that page to Brave the Wild, to encourage you to listen to the show. And, of course, I will constantly encourage you to join that page as well. Pavel Bunet. Uh, Justin Back, Merrick Skybaugh, and uh, Max as well, joining MNW Prospects recently, also all parts of uh, MN Wild, uh, Minnesota Wild Global. Scott Cavendish founded that page. Love it. Uh, thank you very much for having me on board there. I'm a founding member. We can say I'm one of the original members, so I'm more of a Sam Adams than a uh, than a John Adams, if you get the idea. I'm not, a, I'm not as high-ranking per se, but I'm happy to be a part of that page. It's wonderful to be part of it, a founding member of that page. So uh, encouraging you to join it. Minnesota Wild uh, in-game threads and everything. Just everything Minnesota Wild on there. And, of course, Pavel Burnett will post about the prospects and links to MMW prospects. We're all one big, happy Minnesota Wild family. That's why they call it Minnesota Wild Global, because Pavel Burnett is from uh, the Czech Republic. So very cool, very cool. Lots of great players come out of that area. No doubt about it. Encouraging you to join this page with the... Uh, via audio submission. You can hear your voice of mine on here. That'd be great. Simply use your smart device. Look for the uh, free voice recording application often built into your device. It's a built-in application, so to speak. Simply click record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop. Save it and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Also, at Brave the Wild is the Twitter account. I want to thank Vinrock Vince Germano for retweeting the show. Always appreciate that very much. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild Minnesota is the Facebook page link to the uh, Brave the Wild Facebook page. Please join both of those if you could. Follow the Twitter, uh, like the page, have a conversation with me on there. Always, always, always appreciated. Always appreciated. Links to all these will be in the show description, including the email address and such, and MNW Prospects, that's on there as well. I can't thank you enough. Hope to hear from you soon uh, via the audio submission route. Again, as you email that, uh, <laughs> as you email your audio submission to me, can't wait to have you on board for some fan interaction because the phone lines, we're not going to use those anymore. I'm not sure what's going on, if it exists anymore. And audio submission, there's more freedom anyway. So it's pretty damn cool. With that said, wishing all of you a safe, happy Thanksgiving to those of you here in the United States that are celebrating it today. God bless you, and we will talk to you next week. Hopefully Minnesota continues in the right direction and the prospects continue to get better and better, be it Minnesota Wild players that are prospects or <laughs> across the Great Divide. God bless. We'll talk to you in a week. 